every so often, uh, I have to pull out what may be an unpopular sermon. This morning's sermon might possibly be the most offensive sermon for cultural Christianity in our world today. Uh, that doesn't sound good, sorry about that. <laughs> Cultural Christianity is that philosophy that takes the teachings of Jesus and the truths of the Bible and molds them into our vision rather than molding our vision into the tenets of the gospel. Uh, because this morning we're going to deal with the most misquoted passage of Scripture in our society, which also happens to be the most quoted Scripture in our society. It's the most quoted and most misquoted. Um, it's found in the book of Matthew in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says something that uh, we've all heard probably maybe in the past week. I don't know. He begins by saying, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you use, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, there's a log in your eye? Hypocrite! First take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them with their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel, and the words that I speak be yours, and yours alone. Father, we thank you, we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake, and all God's people say. Amen. Amen. How many of us have heard the first verse of that passage over and over and over again in the past 10 years. It is quoted by people who follow Jesus. It's quoted by people who don't follow Jesus. It's quoted by everybody. You know, don't, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. But that's not really what's being said here. There, there are three problems here with with society's view, first they stop at verse 1. They stop with saying, do not be judged lest you be judged. You know, a text without a context is a pretext. The most dangerous thing anybody can do is choose a verse, pluck it out, and build an entire leg of theology around it. You can take a verse, a singular verse, and make it say anything you want it to say. You can take a singular verse and make everything that might be wrong, right. You know, over in Proverbs, it says, let a man drink away his sorrows. I could make a pretty good theology around it that people would find very popular. And we could fill church stadiums forever if I just used that one verse and build the theology around it. In my preaching classes in undergrad, we had a contest one time where we were put on a pro side and a con side. And you had to use scripture 
to make a debate. And the argument was slavery. Was it biblical or was it against the will of God? I was on the pro-slavery slides. We won. It's not hard to make the Bible say what you want it to say. And so often in society what happens when we take this one verse and we say this is what it means. The problem is we judge really all the time. The word judge here simply means to sift. It's not just negative. It means to say something's good, something's bad, something's indifferent. So that's the first issue. The second issue they have is they read the command as one-sided in the negative. We're never supposed to judge. And that's filtered down into our churches. We, we, we begin to let it slide. Well, we, we shouldn't say anything. We shouldn't do anything. What we're really saying is, if we give into this, say that what I'm doing is right. If we, if, we, if we never say anything. But honestly, if you read John 7, 24, we're called a little bit to judge. It says, do not judge according to appearance any longer, but judge with righteous judgment. So obviously what Jesus is saying here can't be about stopping all judgment. It has to be about judging rightly. So, how do you, according to this text, judge rightly? Well, first, you have to remember you're not the final judge. Judge not, so you will not be judged. That's what it says. That's, that's the plain text. That's what the text says. That's where we're at. And there's two things to remember about that. One is that God is going to judge you according to how you judge. Because he says, for the measure you use, you will be judged. God's going to judge you for how you judge. He's going to look at you and say, okay, how are you judging? Were you judging mercifully or were you judging condemnably? Were you judging purely or were you judging selfishly? So God's going to look and say, okay, this person was using righteous judgment. And, and, and that, that's that word. The word in our culture has this, this bad connotation, right? I say judgment and we all cringe. Judgment. But judgment really doesn't mean something <laughs> negative. It just simply means to make a determination. And so he says, don't, don't make a negative determination on the sake of itself. Look, because God's going to judge you according to how you judge. But also, number two, if you judge, you open yourself up to judgment. If you judge, if you choose to, to put out there something that, that, that shouldn't be done, people are going to turn around and look at you and also do the same to you, right? So if I sit up here and I say, you shouldn't ever go over the speed limit. Somebody's going to look back and say, well, you shouldn't ever, and they're feeling their sin. Because when you judge, you open yourself up to judgment. That's what he says. There's two things here. Judge not lest you be judged. Because if you judge, God's going to judge you in the same way. But also when you judge somebody else, they're going to judge you. Or you open yourself up to judgment from somebody else who loves them. Because guess what? It's usually not the person who gets mad. It's the person's person. <laughs> it's the people around them. You know, people can pick on me, and I don't really get mad. You know who gets mad? Mama. <laughs> Mama gets mad. You know, she's got y'all fooled. Y'all think she's sweet and quiet. Y'all don't hear her at home. When you get Mama Bear mad, Mama Bear's mad, and she'll say things and she'll do things. That's just the way it works. And so when you judge, you open yourself to judgment. Jesus isn't saying here never judge. 
He's saying be aware that you're going to be held accountable for how you judge. And that's going to include lack of judgment. If you don't judge at all, you're going to be held accountable for that. You're going to be held accountable for not doing what you're supposed to do. If you're going to judge, know that someone else is going to judge you. Which is why he clarifies this by saying, don't be a hypocrite. That's what he's don't be a hypocrite. Don't go around judging people with your own sin hanging out. Talks about a log in a speck. I remember as a youth going to a disciple now and uh, Harden Simmons drama team came to, to do all the stuff. And there was a dramatic presentation where one of the guys was holding a two-by-four up to his eye and walking around, <laughs> calling out the sin of everybody else. And every time he moved, he'd have to duck because his sin was getting in the way of everybody else. His sin was, was making a mess. It's all about perspective. The closer an object is, the larger it appears. In order to see someone else's speck, we may be overlooking our own. We may be looking past that glaring thing. Have you ever had that happen? You got that something stuck on your eyelash? And it feels like there's like a bus running at you because it's right there by your eye. It's not real big. When they pull it off, you're going, no, that stick can't be it. It was bigger than that. Because it's all about perspective. You've got something that's, that's clouding your vision. In order to see someone else's speck, you may be overlooking your own. We have a tendency to make a bigger deal out of like sin in someone else's life. We see the sin we have in us exaggerated in them. I can't believe they would. <laughs> You're doing the same thing. You're over there. You're over there doing the same stuff. It's just hidden. You just have it behind closed doors. I was talking to a pastor friend one time who had gone to a deacon's house. Uh, and it was a deacon who had made it clear his view on drinking. <laughs> and uh, went to his house and they were having some kind of fellowship and they told the pastor to go get a cup for some water and he opened the cabinet and out fell a bottle of Jack Daniels right in front of him. <laughs> this man who had been calling this out and everybody else who was hiding it in his cabinet. What he says here is there's a lot more going on. He says deal with your sin first. Deal with what you have going on first. Before you ever think that you can look at someone else and say to them, you shouldn't be doing that, make sure you're doing the things that you need to do in order to get your life right. Our vision is blurred and biased based on the sin in our lives. It's blurred and biased. When we're, when we're living a sinful life, when we're doing the things that we don't need to do, A, we're going to open ourselves up to judgments. People are going to start saying, uh-huh. So what if he has the bottle of Jack Daniels? I saw you flying down the road with the cop coming after you the other day. I saw you over there yelling at your kids in the front yard. Man, I, I, I was going to call the cops on you because I thought you were fixing to hit them. I didn't know what was going on. People are going to call you out because when you find yourself in that situation, we can't help someone deal with their sin when we have sin that's glaring in our life. When we have things that, that we're having to deal with. This isn't Jesus saying we're never going to be ready. He expects us to conquer sin. He expects us to be over to overcome things. It's about recognizing that we're sinful and everyone needs mercy and forgiveness. That's what he says here. When you're looking at someone, even if they're living in a life of sin, remember that you too need the same mercy and forgiveness. You have to have the same love. You have to have the same compassion. They may be way different than you, but guess what? They still need the same mercy and forgiveness that you have. You have to be merciful not condemning. You have to be pure, 
not selfish. We cannot be the former if we don't recognize the state that we're in. If we don't recognize where we are, we can never be merciful. That's where the Pharisees were. The Pharisees saw the law. And this is the line in the sand. And I'm living it, and you're not. That, that's how they did it. I'm living it, and you're not. It didn't matter that they had created so many extra laws in order to get around the fact that they weren't living the law. Because if the law said, I can only walk 700 steps from my house on the Sabbath, well, I can get a bag of dirt from my yard and take it with me. I never more than 700 steps from my home. Because I took part of it with me. That was something they would do. They had little loopholes. Little ways to make themselves say, I'm following the rules, but you're not. You're not doing those things. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. We have to recognize that we're sinful. That's what Jesus says. He doesn't say there's never any judgment to be had. He says recognize where you are. Recognize that you have a log in your eye. Now, is it a literal log? Probably not. It's probably a speck, but for you it should be a law because it's right there in your life and you're not seeing it. You're not dealing with it. You're not, you're not going about what you're supposed to do. You're just overlooking your sin to look at everybody else's. And that's a plague in our society. And that's where this whole misquote has come from. People start saying, well, you can't judge me. Well, no. I really can't judge you for what you're doing if I'm still living my life the same way I'm supposed to live my life. I can't say anything to you. I can't do anything like that. That's not who I'm supposed to be. But he comes on, he says, what? After you've addressed your sin, help your brother with his. That's the unpopular part here. He didn't stop with, you hypocrite. Because he could have stopped there, right? He could have stopped at the first part, the first word of verse 5. He could have said, hypocrite! I didn't know him. But he didn't. He said, first, take the log out of your eye. Then you will see clearly the heck is out of your brother's eye. That's unpopular. The command here is clear. First remove yours, then help them. That's part of our calling. Oh. But Brother Troy, I know. I know. <coughs> Have you told I know. Do you know how people would react if I know? I understand. I get it. The opposite gets done far too much. We just overlook everything. The greatest victory the devil ever had was convincing our culture that our sin is our identity. Who was Otis? The town drunk. Hmm. 
identify him by what? His sin, not by who he was. Even in a wholesome show like Andy Griffith, we were doing that. We were identifying people by their sins. It started way back then. But that's not who we are. That's not who God created us to be. And so this isn't about condemnation. And that's, that's where we take a wrong turn. We start saying, well, but Brother Troy, I can't judge you. Who am I to judge? Judgment isn't about bringing down a court thing. It's not about looking at somebody and saying you're a sinner. That's not what he's talking about here. It's not about condemnation. It's about restoration. The key word here is brother. Take the log out of your eye and go help your brother. I can't look at somebody who doesn't know Jesus and confront them about a situation in their life that is sinful. Because to them, it, does, it doesn't make any difference. But if I watch my brother doing things that I know are not beneficial to his walk with Jesus and never say anything, I failed my brother. This is about restoration. It's about walking along with somebody. It's about being broken together. Because we're all broken. We've all missed the mark. There is something wrong in all of us. I, mean, and I, don't, I don't care how long we've known Jesus and how long we've walked the path. We still have things that we mess up on. There are still things that we go, I can't believe I did that again. <laughs> I, I can't believe I did that again. How many times have I said, Jesus, I'm done! And then I'm back to it again. I'm sitting here going, oh great. We have to... Know who we are. Know that we're not here to condemn somebody. We're here to restore somebody. I mean, we're told over in the book of John that that's even why Jesus was here, right? The Son didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came to save the world. And when he says over in the book of John in John 7, to, to righteously judge, no longer judge by appearance, that's the judgment we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to look over and look at somebody and think we know what's going on and make an assumption. You know, assumptions are dangerous. This morning at our house, we had a little bit of a disagreement because uh, we both made assumptions last night. My pants were dirty last night. And I said, oh, my pants are dirty. I, I, was, I was just going to wear them dirty, I'll be honest. I'm long as long. I was, was going to put the kids to bed and go to bed. And Carrie said, oh, I'll wash them for you. I assumed that meant she was going to dry them too. <laughs> this morning I woke up and I said, did you dry my pants last night? She said, what? <laughs> she said, I thought you were going to do them when I put the kids to bed. I said, I put the kids to bed last night. And she went, well, I just assumed you were going to do it because they were your pants. <laughs> and so, through a, a bunch of assumptions, we ended up in a place that we didn't want to be. We can't assume that, that and look at somebody and go, I know what that, I know that that's in. There was a series of commercials back uh, a few years ago. And I can't remember what they were for, but I remember the commercials themselves. And there was one where a lady 
was going on a plane and she was coming back from the bathroom and she was cutting across the seat to get to her seat across this guy who was kind of sleeping and the plane hit some turbulence and she fell up onto his lap. About that time, a little kid looks over the seat and this woman's in this guy's lap. And they, and, they, and they made a comment about how don't make assumptions. <laughs> don't assume these things. We can't always look at somebody and, and know. We have to know somebody. And what Jesus is saying here is you're talking to your brother. You're walking with somebody. I'm not going to go up to a new Christian and say you shouldn't be doing that because they may not know. But I can walk alongside them. And I can help them to see and help them to be who God wants them to be. Judgment here isn't about calling someone sin out. It's about walking with someone and helping them sift their life to where Jesus can show them the things they want to do. It's not about us going, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying we walk with someone. And as long as we're working on ourselves and getting ourselves under control, we can also help them get themselves under control. Because guess what? If I'm working on me and you're working on you, we're all working on each other. Somewhere along the way, we're going to get it right. But we have to be working on ourselves. We have to be doing what God has called us to do. And the first step is always me. It's always me. If I look at someone else and think they shouldn't be doing that, my first thought should be, God, what am I not doing? Or what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? That should always be my first thought. Because if I'm seeing something in somebody else, I guarantee you there's something I'm overlooking in myself. And I have to begin looking at me. Because really the truth about this passage is it's about being discerning rather than being judgmental. Because he ends with what? <laughs> Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them with their feet turn. Pieces. If Jesus meant never make any judgments, he wouldn't end the passage by saying, make a judgment. It's not a possibility. What he says is, don't waste holy things on those completely hostile to the gospel. We live in a society that, as a whole, is hostile to the gospel. And the only way we're going to win them is by being who God has called us to be. But the only way we're going to be able to be who God has called us to be is if we're doing the things that Jesus told us to do here, working on ourselves and working on each other. The failure of churches, of evangelical churches, in the past 40 years, is we don't talk about our sins. We talk about sin, but we don't talk about our sins. We don't want to share with somebody else what we're going through. Because if I share with so-and-so what I'm going through, they'll know, and there's a danger that somebody else is going to find out. So my private struggle is no longer private, it becomes public. That's an integrity issue. 
We have to be able to trust each other. So when we're struggling with something, we can say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Will you walk along with me? Will you help me when I struggle? Because guess what? If you struggle with a certain sin and you don't have somebody that you can call and say, help me, you're going to fall almost every time. You're going to fall. God didn't create the church for us to come and sit and, and, and never share our things you ever see. There's, there's one thing, there's one thing that the Catholics really have right. And it's they confess their sins. They tell somebody about what's going on. Does it make a difference in their lives? I, I don't know. I'm not thinking. But at least they tell somebody. At least there's an outlet. At least they can feel like somebody knows. But how many of us have struggled privately with something because we don't want somebody else to know what we're going through? That's what this passage is about. What we're afraid of, we're afraid that we're going to be what we think the passage is. When reality is we should be living what the passage says. Walking with each other, working on the sin in our lives, and not being afraid to say, hey, I'm struggling with this, will you help me? Maybe this morning, you've, you've been struggling. You've been struggling alone. And you haven't wanted to tell anybody. I want you to know right now, there's no judgment here. If you need someone to walk with you, no matter where you are, I will walk with you. And I'm not going to call you out and tell you you're sinful and that, it's, and it's, that you're not doing any good. I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to help you carry that load. Just come down the aisle and say, Brother Troy, I need, I need to share this with somebody. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve in missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you're on the outside looking in. Maybe you've been struggling with all of these things and they've been piling on and piling on and piling on and you don't know how to get it off and you want it released. Walk the aisle for the Troy. I want to know Jesus and He will release you from whatever it is that's weighing you down. He will take that burden and lift it up for you and you'll walk away from here clean and you will walk away from here with a family that can walk with you through things. If maybe this morning you need to rededicate yourself to being that person who's not going to talk about what somebody brings to you. You're going to say, if you bring it to me, I'll walk with you. And it stops here. Me, you, and God, and we're going to walk. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessing.